1: So 2 Corinthians chapter 2 is another verse we're going to add to this series on knowing that as his sheep, if we are yielded and submitted to him, what do we do? We hear his voice. That comes from the foundation verse, John 10, 27. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. So if we hear his voice, that means we're submissive and we're following. A lot of Christians don't hear his voice because they're not submissive. Remember we learned Wednesday night? about that psalm from Wednesday night? You don't fear the Lord. Guess what? He can't instruct you. Right. To fear the Lord means what? I have such a reverence. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. And I submit to it fully and obey exactly what he tells me to do. Yes. So notice this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. This is a powerful one of those, you know, shout glory and victory verses. Right? Verse 14. Now thanks be to God. Thanks be to who? God. God underline this. Uh, who always leads us in triumph. See, God never leads you in defeat. He's never led anybody to be defeated ever. He's never led anybody to in any way fail. He's never led anybody in any way to not accomplish what walking out what he has for you, which is to overcome. He's never done it. God's never, say never. God's never led anybody in defeat. God leads people in triumph. God leads people in victory. Why? He's a victory God. I said he's a victory God. You're not excited. You serve a victory God. Yes, I am. Notice this. He always say always. always. So it's not on occasion. Sometimes he leads us in triumph, but sometimes we he leads us in defeat. No, always. no. Go back to you know. Go back to Joshua fighting with the Philistines. Moses up on the mountain, and you know Aaron and Hur standing there holding up his hands. And as long as they did what God said, yes. who was leading them? God was. What happened? Victory. The moment they stop doing what God said, they're not being led by God anymore. Guess what happens? They start getting defeated. Your triumph or your defeat is based on you, not God. Your triumph or defeat, guess what? It ain't based on me as a pastor. It's based on whether you're following what God's telling you to do or not. Well, if I just had a better pastor, if you've truly heard from God and you're where God wants you, you got the pastor God gave you to bless you to help you. So notice this again. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. I'm still waiting for some amens on that. Thanks be to God. You you should learn how to know when to say, so be it for me. That's what amen means. I'm not trying to get a response just because I want you to shout at me. I want you to acknowledge what God's word says about you. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and therefore does what? And therefore through us diffuses the fragrance... Of his knowledge in every place. This ain't just about you, darling. No, it's not. This ain't just about you. Guess what happens when you start walking in victory as a child of God? People notice it. That's right. People pick up on it. They see there's something different about you. They want to know why you're not affected by the things of the world that affect them. How is it you seem to always overcome these obstacles that come at you? Amen. I face the same obstacles. I can't seem to overcome them. Why is it you're not frustrated and stressed out like me? Now, if you're walking around stressed, fearful, and everything else, they're looking at you saying, you want me to come to your church now? You want me to serve your God? Wait a minute. You're you're living no different than me. Why would I go spend my Sunday morning where you spend your Sunday morning to live the same life I'm already living? Are you kidding me? I'm going to sleep in and get some extra sleep. I'm going to go hang out at the lake, do some fishing. I'm going to go to the golf course. I'm going to go to the mall, go shopping. Name it. But the point is, if Christians walk in victory, guess what people of the world notice? There is something different about you. Because you diffuse the fragrance of God's knowledge. Not yours, God's knowledge. You're just doing what God showed you to do. Guess who knows what you need to do? God does. Guess what happens when you walk in God's leading? You walk in His knowledge. When you walk in His knowledge, guess what the result is? Triumph. Victory. And people see it. They watch you win victory after victory after victory about challenges in life. And you know what? That begins to do what? That begins to put off a fragrance to them. I don't mean physically like they're smelling something. You know what I'm talking about. He's not referring to a physical smell. You're just saying, man, there's just something different about this person. Praise God. That it really truly is unique about their life of how they don't seem to get frustrated about all this stuff. They don't seem to be worried about what's going on with our situation with our government. They don't seem to be worried about all the situation with what's happening throughout the world and what's going on with Russia and what's going on. They don't seem to be all caught up and worried about what's going to happen in the election or not. Right, right. They seem to just walk in peace all the time. They got a smile on their face. Children of God, if you ain't got a smile on your face, you ain't being led by God. Paul said rejoice always. What would that look like? I'm smiling all the time. Right. If you're rejoicing, you ain't, you ain't down and out de- de- depressing. I understand some people get there and we're supposed to help them, but what are we supposed to help them do? Learn how to come out of that. That's right. We're not here to pat you on the back and say, okay, honey, no big deal. Just go through it. Somehow God may, may help you survive. Maybe not. We'll see. But praise God, he still loves you. No, no we're supposed to say you don't have to live that way. Right. You don't have to walk on this planet under stress and fear and worry and all that That's stuff. Come on, we've already touched on it. When you walk in the God's plan, what are you walking in? Rest. What are you walking in? Life and peace. As we're going to see again in just a moment. Anybody still with me? Yes. Now, here's the key to this verse, though. Does God always lead us in triumph? Yes, he does. Here's the key, though. Here's the question for the verse. You ready? Here's the question. Is he leading you? See, that's the question. It's not a matter of does God lead us in triumph? It's absolute. He said he always does. I said, He always does. So it's a, but see, people, you know, people that obviously are just kind of surface level Christians, this is why our church is not a surface level Christian church. If you don't want to go into the deep things of God and walk in what God wants for your life, you're probably not going to like our church. If you just want to show up and have your little ears tickled and kind of feel good about God and keep going and living, Focused on the natural, not the spiritual things of life. And the, and the things of God and walking with God, I guarantee you, you're going to just continue to walk out what God does not desire for your life, but what your flesh wants. But our church, man, we're going to help you understand spiritual things. We're going to teach you the whole Bible. Not like other churches don't, but not a lot do today. So understand this. You've got to know, if I walk led of God, what am I going to walk into? Victory. Victory. So that's not the question. The question isn't whether he'll lead me in victory or not. The question is, am I being led by God? That's the question. Can I get a better amen? I love the voice translation on this. It says at the end there, he, notice this, he always marches us to victory under the banner of the anointed one. He always marches us into victory, marches us as a soldier, as an army. He marches us into victory under the banner of the anointed one. Well, what's the banner of the anointed one? He is, anybody know? What's the name for God for the banner of victory? Huh? Nisi. The banner of victory. Jehovah Nisi, the God are what? Our victory. Well, if you're walking under the leading of God, you're walking under the banner of what? Victory. Why? He's not a God of defeat. So the question comes back to, are you being led by God? Well, how do we get led by God? The way the Bible says. Go to Romans 8. Back to Romans 8. We still haven't finished this chapter or part of it we're going to touch on. We will this morning. Romans chapter 8. So the question becomes, are we led by God? And that leads to another question. How do you get led by God? We've got to learn to be led by God the way God said, not the way we think. Because again, most Christians, sadly, begin to take in their own thinking, things that they've been told, things they've heard others say, Has gospel, and most of the time it may not be. I I know a a friend of mine, a guy that I know, minister, who posted the other day about the the situation with a broke-down deal on his trailer. And he said, I know something good must be coming because I mean everything's come against us. Well, what you just said is the devil's all-knowing. It's what you just said. Mm. You're saying what's coming against you is proof something good must be coming. So obviously of what's coming against you, you know, God's not coming against you. See, people pick up on these phrases and they don't even think about what they're saying and they don't even realize that what they're doing is they're walking in deception themselves and they're deceiving others to think the same thing. If you think all this bad stuff happened, do you mean something good's coming? What you're saying is the devil knows something good's coming. That means he's all-knowing. And he's not. Only God's all-knowing. Quit giving the devil credit for something. He's not. You listening? Bad things don't always happen because something really good's about to happen. You live in a fallen world number one. Number two, what happened on his trailer? Guess who built those parts? Man did. Has anybody ever noticed stuff wearing out that man built in your home? Anybody had any parts on your car wear out? You want to know why? What did Terry Myes teach you? Everything you can see is temporary. It's not permanent. It's not eternal. Well, you know, God in the wilderness, man, he saw to it that the children of Israel clothes didn't wear out. You know why? They had no clothing store. They had nowhere else to get materials. He had to sustain them supernaturally to get them through the wilderness. I'm not saying he couldn't do that, but I'm just telling you, stuff wears out because man made it. You listening? Guess what your battery in your car is not going to do in Texas and the heat in the summer and the cold in the winter. It ain't going to last forever. Guess what's going to happen? Like it or not, guess what's going to happen one day? You're going to go out to your car to turn that little key, and you know what you're going to hear? Clunk. Oh, man, something good must be coming my way. Praise the Lord, because all this bad's coming against me. Like the devil drained your battery. (laughs) I didn't know the devil was the battery drainer. Can I help you what the battery drainer is? It's the weather in Texas. Going through this kind of heat, running that AC on your car all the time. Any idea how difficult that is on your battery day in and day out? So I'm just trying to explain something to you. You got to learn to walk in relationship in following God the way God said to, not the way you think, not the way somebody else said. God does not lead you in life in any way, shape or form by anything external. Never, ever, never under the New Testament. If you believe that, you can still be misled by Satan. He did it in context to one person in the Old Testament with a fleece and he only allowed it simply because he had to get Gideon to fulfill a job that he needed him to do and Gideon didn't have the Holy Spirit. But under the New, this is why we have to interpret the Old Testament in light of the New. Let me give you a of Hagin quote. You may not like it, it's the truth. The Old Testament was written for spiritually dead people. Why? They're not spiritually alive. You are. The New Testament was written for spiritually alive people. We learn stuff from the Old Testament. I'm not, I'm not a discounter of the Old Testament. This isn't like, well, that's Old Testament. We don't adhere to that. You kidding me? There's a lot of stuff that you can learn about God, about things you should do, shouldn't do, because of the Old Testament. Shouldn't be like the children of Israel who rebelled against God. He should hear and do what God tells you. Right? Even Hebrews chapter 4 tells you that Refer back to the Old Testament. So I'm not talking about we throughout the Old Testament. Not at all. But you got to understand, you don't go by the leading of the Old Testament under the New. The prophets ministry under the Old is different than the Old Testament than the New. Right. Because the prophet of the Old Testament was one of the only ones that was known as a seer given the Holy Spirit by God to show people what they needed to do. You now have that Holy Spirit. Right. You don't need a prophet. Right. There's nowhere in all the New Testament that says you're led by prophets. Right. They can confirm what you already know. Mm-hmm. See, this is the problem with a lot of New Testament Christians. They run into every service where there's a prophet somewhere as they want to get a word. Oh, you're going to get a word, honey, but it probably won't be from God. Because if you're seeking one and you're not seeking to hear for God yourself, I will guarantee what Satan will many times oblige you. And these many so-called prophets today—how many? How many prophets did Jesus say in the last days would be false? Many. Many. Are you in the last days yet? Guess what? They ain't coming. No, they're here. They're already here. You better know who they are. I don't mean like go find out, listen to them, follow them, see if they're right or not. No, you better recognize. There's many false prophets. Like a better amen. God doesn't lead through circumstances. He's not a whack a mole God. Well, you're going the wrong direction, so I'm going to cause your car to break down. I'm going to do this. I'm going to whack you. I'm going to whack you on the head, and I'm going to show you that you're going the wrong direction. No, He's going to deal with your spirit, not your natural circumstances. Understand He doesn't lead you by natural circumstances. He doesn't open and close the door. You ever ever done this prayer? Oh, I have. I have. I'm I'm just going to admit to all the dumb things I did before I knew how to be led by God. God, if you want me to do this, just open the door. Now, if you don't, just close the door. And I'm going to tell you what, the devil hears what you just said. And if the devil don't want you to go through that door, he'll close it. Because he influences far more people on the earth than God does. You ever notice that? I said, you ever notice that? He has a greater influence on far more people on this earth than God does. Unfortunately. Right? Or the door could open. Woo! It must be God. I have an open door. And the devil's saying, yeah, come on. Come right on in here. Are you listening? God don't lead by opening closed doors. Well, the Bible says he'll open doors no man can close. Yeah, if he actually has a way for you to go and you're being led by the Spirit according to the Bible, guess what the devil can't do? He can't stop it. Shout amen, somebody. That's a shout. Shout amen. Amen. Like you're excited to learn to be led by God. How many of you know we need to become more accurate? Yes. Even if you already are being led by God. So God leads two ways. Say two ways. two ways. How does He lead us? Word and the witness. Word and the witness. Now, how does He lead us by the word and the witness? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, through what? Our spirit. Not your brain. God don't lead you to your brain. He leads you to your spirit. Even through the word, he does so by the spirit. The reason a lot of people aren't led by the word is because the spirit isn't revelation to them. They won't take the time to do what they need to, to get that word alive in their spirit, man. Amen? But if you do, you'll be led by the spirit of God. You'll walk out what God has for your life. Now, you should, as a believer, automatically, if you want to be led by God. Jesus said it, my word is spirit the things that are basic in the New Testament of what we're told to do, if you're not going to do that, don't think you're going to be able to hear God clearly on other things that you don't have black and white in the Bible. If I don't do the basics of what the Bible already tells me to do as a believer that's that's leading my life, if I do what this says right here, who's leading my life? God is. But if I don't do the basics of what this says I'm supposed to do as a New Testament believer and I want to hear from God about other things the Bible doesn't tell me about, you're not focused on spiritual things. You're focused on carnal things. If, if, if you can't do the basics of this Bible, this is spiritual. Guess, what, guess why you don't? You're still focused on the carnal nature. You're still doing what your carnal nature wants to do. There's only two choices in life, ladies and gentlemen. Your carnal nature or your spirit nature. Your choice. And When you go your spirit nature, you're going the way of the word. You're going the way of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Guess what you're not following? Your carnal nature. And you're going to see again in a minute, what's that going to lead me to? Life and peace. Anybody want some more of that? Romans chapter 8, we're going to skip down here for the sake of time. We've covered these verses multiple times. But in chapter 8, all the way down here, basically through 17, he keeps separating two things, flesh and spirit, spirit and flesh, flesh and spirit, spirit and flesh. He just goes through it over and over and over again, trying to make a point. And if you'll pick it up with me right here in verse 5, he says, for those who live according to the flesh, the old, fleshly, carnal, nature for those who live according to the flesh what do they do they set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit what do they do they set their minds on the things of the spirit how's God going to lead you to your spirit what if I'm not focused on the things of the spirit you won't be led by God I want you to get this to the degree that I am aware of my spirit man is to the degree that the Holy Spirit will lead me that's a mouthful To the degree that I'm aware, say aware, Aware. to the degree I'm aware of my spirit man, who I really am, is to the degree that I will be led by the Holy Spirit. What if I'm not aware of my spirit? You won't be led by the Holy Spirit. How's he going to lead you? To your spirit. To your spirit. But if I'm not focused on my spirit and spiritual things, if I'm focused on my flesh, guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Why? He's not going to lead you to your flesh. That's simple, not hard to figure out. This ain't even rocket science. We could teach this probably to a kindergartner and they'd get it in a way they'd understand it, but we could probably teach it to them and they would get it. Not like you don't. I'm just explaining, this isn't difficult to figure out. Why would I not be led by God if I have my mind set on the things of the flesh? Because He don't lead you to your flesh. He leads you to your spirit. So how many of you want to walk in what God has planned for your life? Guess what you're going to have to get your mind set on, Things of the spirit. Watch this, verse 6, for to be carnally minded. Now, how do you become carnally minded? I didn't finish verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh do what? Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to what? Underline that. If you live according to the Spirit, guess who's leading you? God is. They do what? What do they do? They set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So your mind has everything to do with whether you're led of God or not if you're not focused on spiritual things you're not going to be led of God that's how he's going to lead you think, think of it this way does anybody remember back pre-cell phone days yeah. come on I'm serious man do you remember even before the actual you, you remember when they came out with the little recorders at home oh my gosh we thought we were in Jetson's Jetson land you know George Jetson if you don't know about the Jetsons just forget that you know but we thought, wow, this is like, woo, modern age stuff. Are you kidding me? This is like space age, man. To get a recorder that somebody could call my house and if I'm not there, they can leave me a message. I can come back and play it and hear what they said. It was like, woo, that's pretty cool. But I remember before, even before that, I can. I know some of you kids are like, what's he talking about? What's, recorder, what's he mean, recorder? What does he mean? Like they had a big tape recorder or something sitting in their house? Forget what I'm even talking about. So all we had was a phone on the wall or on a desk. Just a phone. Fo- that was just a land- we, call- we call it call a landline now, right? Just a landline, right? So, example: if my mom was going to call me, like in context of my life as a kid growing up in Montana, my mom was a beautician. We got out of school. We were allowed to come on home on our own. Me, and my brother. We came home, got to the house before my mom ever got there. If my mom needed to get something across to us before she got home, you know what she tells us before we go to school? Now, when you get home from school, don't go outside and play because I'm going to call you. Why can I not go outside and play? Because the phone's in the house. <laughs> Believe it or not, there was a time you didn't have this little thing you carried around, and I almost wish we didn't have them anymore. Because guess what me and my brother did as soon as we got home? We ditched all homework and everything else. Why? No parents home. Are you kidding me? We're going outside, baby. We're going to play football, basketball, whatever we're going to do. We're going to go play something until mom gets home. And then she's going to make us do homework. But if we knew my mom had something to call us about, she would tell us before we go to school. Now, when you get home, you stay in the house and you wait for that phone call. But what if I go stand outside the house? What am I focused on? I'm not focused on the phone call. Guess what I'm going to miss? What my mom wanted to tell me. Oh, I don't get it, Pastor. Okay, so if you're focused on the flesh, you're outside the house, darling. God's going to call. He's calling. You're not listening. You're not where he told you to be. You're not focused on what he told you to be focused on. If you're not focused on what he told you to be focused on, it ain't he ain't calling. Oh, he's ringing your number. But you ain't hearing him. Why? You're outside playing. Are you still here? Our house, man, in Montana was several levels. We had a game room downstairs in a basement that my dad set up. And there was no phone down there. Man, if you wanted to hear the phone ring, you had to be up by, up by the kitchen because it was up by the, by the refrigerator. You had to hug the refrigerator, stay by the refrigerator, which wasn't bad because then you could eat while you're waiting for the phone to go. <laughs> Are you still here? Simple way to say, what if I'm not in the house? You ain't going to get the call. Is my mom calling? Yeah, she has something to tell me. She sure does. But guess what? I missed out. Why? Because I wasn't there to hear it. If you're not focused on the things of the Spirit, guess what you're doing? You're outside playing. God's ringing your phone all the time. You just ain't hearing it. So verse 6 says if that's us, then we're carnally minded. How do you become carnally minded? You set your mind on the carnal things of life. If you are setting your mind on the things of the flesh, you are carnally minded. Verse 6, to be carnally minded is what? Tell me what it is. Death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Well, what's spiritually minded? Focused on the things of the spirit. What's carnal minded? Focused on the things of the flesh. So if I'm focused on the things of the flesh, what's the result? Read it again to me. Death. Now, I taught you this. What does the word death always have an implication in? It has a separation from something. If you die physically, you separate from your body. There's always, the term death always has some type of separation involved. Just depends on what the context is as to what you're separating from. So if I'm carnally minded, what am I separated from? Read the rest of the verse. Life and peace. How many of you want to be separated from life and peace? Life is no way. Life is God has. Anybody want that? Anybody want the kind of life Jesus had? No, am serious. Do you really want that kind of life? How many of you want to walk in a peace that comes from God that passes all understanding? Well, guess what? You can't do that focus on carnal things. So what's your mindset on, Church. Because if your mind isn't set on the things of the Spirit, separation from life and peace. You want to know why you don't have life and peace in your personal life? You want to know why you don't have life and peace in your marriage? You want to know why you don't have life and peace in the midst of raising your babies or dealing with stuff at work or dealing with other people? I'm going to tell you why, because you're focused on carnal things. If you're focused on spiritual things, it don't change what's going on around you in the natural. It changes you. You didn't hear that. If you're focused on spiritual things, it don't change on what goes on around and on you in the natural. You can't stop what other people do. You can't stop what other things happen in this world. See, if you think peace is all about getting everything in my little world here the way I want it to be, everybody loves me and likes me and likes all my posts on Facebook and nobody says anything bad about me and they, do all, they all do what I tell them to do and they all respond the way I tell them to respond and my babies are perfect and my, my spouse is perfect and my boss just loves me and I got lots of money and I got the clothes I want to wear. And you're just focused on the natural. So if you think that's what it takes to have peace, let me help you. I'm going to tell you why you think that because you're carnally... Focus. life and peace comes by being spiritually focused how many want life and peace what do we got to do got to get our minds retrained to be set on the things of the spirit anybody still with me today because the carnal mind the carnal mind the one who is carnally minded how do you get carnally minded come on some of you kindergartners get it how do you get how do you get carnally minded you set your mind on the things of the flesh So to be carnally minded is what? It's enmity against God. Think about that. If I'm carnally ruled, guess what? It's enmity against God. Why? It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot do what? They cannot please God. If you're in the flesh, guess what you're not walking in? Faith. Hebrews 11.6, how do you please God? Faith. Guess what it takes to walk by faith, church? Get focused on the things of the Spirit. This is powerful if you understand it. So number verse 5 here, in verse 5, it's telling us those who identify with their old nature do so because they set their minds on what? The old nature. Think about that. What do you identify with? See, if you see yourself as defeated, if you see yourself as less than powerful, anointed by God, if you don't see yourself as more than a conqueror, etc., which the Bible says you are, What are you identifying with? You're not identifying with your new nature. You know why a lot of Christians don't identify with their new nature, who they are? I'll tell you why. Their minds are set on the old nature. So verse 5 is saying if your mind is set on the things of the flesh, guess what you're identifying with? Your old nature. Guess what's going to rule you? Your old nature. You still here? Verse 6, though, tells us if we're spiritually minded, it results in what? Life and peace. Verse 7 says, if we're carnally minded, listen to this from the voice translation. You see a mind focused on the flesh is declaring war against God. You listening? That's the word enmity. Your flesh is at war with God. Why do you want to be led by your flesh? When your flesh is at war, thus saith the Bible. I'm not I'm not making this up, folks. Some of you look at me like, is that really true? Read it right there in verse 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God. How do you become carnal minded? You got your mind set on the things of the flesh. He just told you that in a couple of verses before, that 5 and 6. You see, a mind focused on the flesh is declaring war against God. It defies the authority of God's law, His rule in your life. You're not submitting to what He tells you to do. Listen, and it's incapable of following His path. Incapable. You can't follow God's path by being ruled by your carnal nature. How do you get ruled by your carnal nature for about the 18th time this morning? How do you get ruled by your carnal nature? Your mind is set on the flesh. What's your mindset on? you got to ask yourself. Because if my set on the things of the flesh, guess what? I'm at war with God. Not spiritually. My flesh is. My flesh will not submit to God. My flesh will not do what God wants me to do. My flesh is going to make me sleep in on Sunday morning. My flesh is not going to cause me to pick up the Bible and fellowship with God. My flesh is going to do what? Flesh out. Why don't we just go to the refrigerator, get a bunch of stuff to eat, sit down and just plop in front of the TV. Who needs to read the Bible? I'm born again. I don't need to read the Bible. Well, that's what your flesh thinks. Why? Because your flesh is at war with God. You really want to follow the one that's at war with God? Think about that. How How many want to follow after the one that's at war with God? I don't. Verse 9, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Well, there you go, Pastor. I'm not in the flesh. Spirit of God dwells in me. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of course of Christ, he's not his. The actual reading of the verse because of the context is clear. And you can go look it up in the Greek. You know what it says here? It says that those who are born again no longer have to be under the rule of the flesh. Why would he tell you all the verses before that? That if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you're still carnally ruled. If you set your mind on the things of the spirit, you're spiritually ruled. Why would he say that and then say you're not fleshly ruled? That's not what he's saying. That verse is saying you don't have to be. If you look at it in the Greek language, it's saying you no longer, aren't you glad? You no longer have to be carnally ruled. And if you're not carnally ruled, guess what that means? Life and peace. Woo-hoo! Life as God has it. Verse 10, if Christ is in you, if he is, say he is. he is, the body's dead. The body's still dead because of what? Sin. Anybody notice your body is perishing? Anybody notice that about your body? Now, don't take that to mean, so I just accept whatever comes in my body. Read on. But the spirit, of, but the spirit that is within you is life, the Holy Spirit, because of what? What? Righteousness. Righteousness. Because you've been made right with God, you now have this spirit of life in you. Listen to verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, raise your hand if that's you. That's like half of you know that. I'm going to read it again in case you missed it. If the spirit of him, who's the spirit of him? The Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. He's the one that went into hell itself and brought Jesus back from the grave. If he dwells in you, does he? He who raised Christ from the dead will also do what? Give life to your moral bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He's not going to give life to your new body. He's going to still give life to this mortal body. Go back to Terry Mize's message. I desire above all that you prosper in all things and be in health. Why? Because if you're not in health, you can't walk out what God has planned for your life. You could know what God's plan is, but if you don't have health, guess what you can't do? You can't walk it out. You're hindered by your body from walking that out. This is why we need to understand, thank God I have a Holy Spirit living in me. That if I am totally focused on spiritual things, guess where my focus as a believer is? My inner man. Guess what that allows? That allows the Holy Spirit's power to flow through my spirit and into my soul and into my body and bring what? Healing to my body. Some of us aren't getting healing in our bodies because we're carnally focused. The healer's in you. Yes, he is. I said the healer's in you. But if you turn away from him, you're not even paying attention to him. If you're you're looking outwardly and carnal, the healer's going, sure, would like to heal your body, but you got to turn back this way and let me come out. Let me flow into your body. No, I'm too focused on being carnal. And a lot of Christians are. I mean, Brother Hagin used to teach believers this. Sometimes they didn't realize if you're so focused in the natural, what you're dealing with and stuff, instead of just looking at what God said. If you look at what God said instead of your body, what are you looking at? You're looking at spiritual things. His word is what? Spirit. And if I can get you to focus on that and recognize that and acknowledge that and get your focus off your body, off your natural body, guess what I can do? I can get you to turn inwardly. And the Holy Spirit has no problem bringing His power in your body to heal your body. He don't lack the ability. What does He lack? Availability. But He's living in you now. That don't excite you? Say, the healer's in me. Twelve, we're moving on. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. I owe no debt to the flesh. The flesh did nothing to get me born again. The flesh did nothing to redeem me. My flesh did nothing to get me right with God. That was all on Jesus. So why in the world would I serve my flesh who did nothing for me? Your flesh does nothing good for you. You listening? God does. All good things come from God in whom there's no variation of shadow eternity. What we may think is good in the flesh ultimately can lead you to a time of total def- deprivation and destruction in your life. Oh, the, the way that seems good to a man leads to destruction. <clears> Thus <throat> said the Bible. Now God's way, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says God way leads, God's way leads to what? What does God's way lead to? 2 Corinthians 2, 14, the first verse we looked at. Victory. He always leads us in triumph. Shout amen, somebody. Amen. So again, he says, brethren, we're not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Why? It didn't redeem you. No, that's right. It didn't deliver you from what obviously Satan put you under bondage to. But Jesus did. Yes. Woo! Jesus did. Yes. Come on, Jesus did. Yes. We sang about him today. Yes. Matt, let us in praise and worship about our Savior, our delivered today, our great God. Yes. Verse 13, if you live again, now he, go, he just keeps saying this so many times. You know why? Let me, if you really think repetition in church is bad, you don't want to listen to Jesus. Jesus repeated himself over and over. The disciples repeated themselves over and over. John Osteen, our pastor's pastor from 27 years of his life, not Joel, John. John used to say the power of pastoring, boys and girls, is repetition. Because even though, he used to tell Brother, Hague, uh, Brother uh, Barclay, our pastor this whole time, he said, Mark, even, don't ever assume, even though you told somebody something a thousand times that they've ever gotten it. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Because it. some it'll take a thousand and one. Some it'll take a thousand and five, but the light will go off. And if you stop saying it, the light won't come on. Just keep saying what the Bible says. Don't come up with something new. Eleven, excuse me, thirteen. If you live according to the flesh, you will what? Die. There it is again. Didn't he already just say that? Yeah. yeah. So if I'm carnally ruled, I'm living according to the flesh. What am I dying from? Zoe, life and peace. What am I separated from? Life and peace. If you live according to the flesh, you die. But but but. If by the Spirit. <laughs> If you're living by the Spirit, what's a sign you're living by the Spirit? You ready? You put to death the deeds of the body, and you will do what? Live. You know what that's called? Suffering. Oh, yeah. You you put the deeds of the body to death. Let me help you. That's called suffering. You're going to see tonight you and I are to walk in the same suffering Jesus did. You know what Jesus called his suffering? When he actually went to the cross. He told his disciples, you can read it for yourself. He's at the Passover meal. He says, I'm about to enter into my suffering. Jesus said it. You and I are supposed to suffer just like Jesus suffered. That don't mean go get crucified on the cross. What were they going to do to Jesus after that Passover? They were going to nail his flesh, not his spirit, to the cross. Painful. They were going to beat him with a cat of nine tails in the flesh, not his spirit. Painful. They were going to put a crown of thorns on his physical fleshly head and blood was going to flow out. Painful. Now, guess what? You walk in as a suffering as a child of God. You don't now let your flesh rule because Jesus delivered you from your flesh. That's painful. When your flesh don't get its way, it's just like a little kid. It's like a little kid you take to the store and they see that little snack. Oh, mama, I want it. You know what wants it? Their spirit don't. Come on, some of you adults do this. <clears throat> your spirit don't want that. You know what wants that? Your flesh wants that. Woo! Is Walmart smart or what? They now got Krispy Kreme right next to the checkout. <clears throat> you know what wants Krispy Kreme? Not your spirit. Your spirit ain't saying, get it. Nope. Holy Spirit ain't saying, go ahead. Yeah, let me lead you to the Krispy Kreme today. Nope. You know what leads you to the Krispy Kreme? Your flesh does. You know what happens when you tell your flesh no? No. <laughs> like that uh, you throw a fit just like a little kid in a store we got so many christians throwing fits and they don't even realize it and when you throw a fit instead of doing what rising up as a spirit being and telling your flesh to shut up guess what you often do you actually do what your flesh wants and when you give in your flesh you know why you do it because you're focused on it i knew that would be real popular read it again verse 13 you ready if you live, if means it doesn't mean it's automatic. It means you got to do it. If you live according to the flesh, you will what? So how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you live according to the flesh? For about the twentieth time tonight, today, set your mind on the things of the flesh. But if you live according to the Spirit, how do you do that? Set your mind on things of the Spirit. What what will happen? Read the rest of it. What will happen? You will put to death the deeds of your body, and therefore you'll what? Live. Meaning what? My body ain't going to get its way. Come on, somebody. I want to punch him, but my spirit says no, so I'm not going to. You listening? I want to fight back, but the Bible says forgive him, so I'm going to tell my flesh to shut up. Your flesh is going to say, no, I want to cuss. I want to at him. I want to scream. I want to fight back. And your spirit says, nope, walking in love put into death what the deeds of your body and what will you do what will you do last part of the verse what will you do you'll walk in zoe life come on 14 for as many as are led by the spirit of god these are what tell me out loud sons Sons means we are submitted to the father and he is leading us who is submitted to the father in whom god is leading those who are led by the spirit of god how's the spirit of god going to lead you not to your carnal flesh not through natural means. He's going to do it through your spirit. You better learn this. Amen. 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Say, thank you, Jesus. Why? You received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, what? Abba, Father. You, the, the reason fear was so easy for a person to fall into before being born again is because guess what their, fear, their spirit was filled with? Fear. But not no more. I said, not no more. There ain't no fear in you. No, we now have a new spirit in us. That's right. That's right. Come on. And the Holy Spirit who cries out and lets us know, I've been adopted, I've been brought into the family. Right. I now have a new daddy, Abba, I have a new father. That's right. And that father, second Corinthians chapter two, fourteen, if I let him lead me, will always lead me to triumph. Amen. And I should get excited about that. Amen. 16, how does the Spirit lead us? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It took me, what, 10 parts of this series now to get to this point. My part 10. Where am I? Part 10 today, yeah. Notice this. The Spirit himself, underline it, bears witness with our spirit, not our carnal nature. He does not bear witness with what you see with your natural eyes. He does not bear witness with what you hear with your natural ears. Remember we read those verses in Corinthians. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Natural, natural. The things that God's prepared. But this is why we have the Holy Spirit. Remember those verses we touched on? Several weeks. Why do we have the Holy Spirit? To know the things. things. Woo! To know the things. We've been freely given. Zoe, life costs you nothing other than a decision to say I'm not focusing on my flesh I'm focusing on my spirit and I get Zoe life that he already purchased for me any amens on that so again 16 the spirit himself does what he bears witness with our spirit and in these verses that we are what children of God how do you know if somebody's born again they gotta have that inner witness Because once you're born again, that Holy Spirit inside you is giving. The word bears witness with means a joint or co-witness. A joint or co- Come here, Justin. Come here quick. A joint or co-witness, okay? So if Justin's standing here next to me who is, let's say he represents the Holy Spirit, so he's living in me. So guess what? Everywhere I go, guess who's going with me? I don't mean I'm paying attention to him, but he's there. I said, he's there. He's a good representation of the Holy Spirit, ain't he? Strong. So the Holy Spirit is with me everywhere you go. Correct? And the Holy Spirit bears witness with what? What does he bear witness with? He don't bear witness with my eyes, my ears, anything in my outer man. He bears witness with my spirit on the inside. It's a co-witness. Guess what I got to become aware of? Say it. I got to become aware of my spirit. Why? Who's the Holy Spirit going to bear witness with? I'm not hearing directly from the Holy Spirit. Don't get wrong. Don't get mad at me. I'm not, as a, as a context, quote unquote, in my soul, mind, will, and emotions. I'm not hearing directly from the Holy Spirit. Who is? My spirit, my spirit man is. And my spirit getting cold witness from the Holy Spirit, whether I'm doing what's right or not, can now do what? Through my spirit, I can relay that to my soul, mind, will, and emotions, and know that I'm following God. If I go off a direction that isn't God, guess what the Holy Spirit... Come on, Holy Spirit. If I go off a direction that isn't God, He didn't leave me. But guess what He won't do? He won't bear witness that I'm going the right way. What do I got to look to? My spirit man. If I look to my spirit man, how am I going to hear God? Through my spirit man. Through the co-witness of the... You're going to see tonight, the disciples are going to show you that not only did it seem good to us, but it also seemed good to the Holy Spirit. When they they said it seemed good to us, our spirit, but how did they know they were on the right trail? Because we have a co witness. Because not only do I have a knowledge in my heart that that seems right, but guess what else I have agreeing with that? See, once you have the agreement of the Holy Spirit, guess what you know? I'm on the right track, baby. I'm going right where God wants me to go, doing right what God wants me to do, because it's a joint witness. We're not following directly. I won't, don't misunderstand me. We're not following directly the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're following the leading of our spirit man who gets a co-witness from the right. Holy Spirit. Thus saith the Bible. Thank you. So what it's saying there is he bears witness with. Say witness with. See, the phrase there is a co-witness. A joint witness, another witness. Not just one, it's another witness. So I want you to see this. Again, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. We're children of God. And if we're children, what are we? Now tell me out loud. Heirs. Like you're happy about it. Heirs. If we're children, what are we? Heirs. Shout out at me one time. Heirs. What are we heirs of? Heirs of God. What's that mean? I have an inheritance. Heirs. Why aren't you walking in it? Because I'm not led by God. Okay. But if I'm led by God, guess what I'm going to walk in? My inheritance. My inheritance. We're children, we're heirs, we're heirs of God. And we're also what? We're joint heirs with Christ. Listen, underline it if indeed we suffer with Him. So, you don't, everybody wants to leave that last part of the verse out. If we suffer with Him, that we may also be what? Glorified together. How do we suffer with Jesus? Jesus suffered in the flesh. How do you suffer? In the flesh. That includes persecution because nobody likes being persecuted. But it's not just persecution. If your flesh don't get its way, guess what? It's going to whine. It's going to cry. It's going to moan. It's going to groan. You know what you do? You don't listen to it. Is a parent raising their child right that every time a baby cries, every time a child whines, cries, and wants something, you give it to them? No, you're going to teach them. They're going to get whatever their little flesh desires. But that's not how you raise kids properly. Is it? If they're not permitted to have it at that time or not to have it at all, guess what you don't do? You don't give it to them. You're the parent, not them. But you've got to understand this spiritually. Spiritually, you're in charge of your own life, your own decisions. The question is, is your mind set on the things of the spirit or the things of the flesh? If your mind's set on the things of the spirit, guess what that means? I'm aware. Listen carefully. I'm aware that I have a spirit. And I'm aware of my spirit. I'm aware of him. I'm aware of my spirit when he directs me. I'm aware of my spirit when he corrects me. Your spirit will correct you. How does he speak to you? Through your conscience. That's the voice of your spirit, man. If I'm aware of my spirit, guess what I'm actually picking up all, all the time? My conscience. Not just some thinking knowledge, well, I think this or I think that. You're going to see tonight as we're going to get into it, when they said it seemed good to us. They're not talking about their brain. They're talking about their inner man. They're right, talking about the guy on the inside. They didn't say it feels good. Because you know the old phrase, well, it feels good, do it, really. Yeah. If it feels good, do it. You think that's going to be good. No, it ain't. Because your flesh, what it wants that feels good to it. it is enmity against God in relationship to most of what it desires. Thank you for all your amends about that. So you and I need to do what? We've got to become spiritually minded. If we're spiritually minded, who's leading us? Our spirit, who's bringing joint witness that we're walking out what God has for us holy spirit guess who knows all things about your life all the things of the world all the things relating to the stuff of god the holy spirit does how's he going to relay those things to you through your spirit what if you're not focused on your spirit you won't hear him you're out playing the phone's ringing you listening how many christians we got outside playing and the phone's ringing hallelujah i said hallelujah turn to psalm one in closing Thank you, Jesus. So, here comes the next question. How do I get my mind set on spiritual things? My mind's set on spiritual things. I'm walking in the light of the Spirit. God's leading me. I know His guidance. I know His direction. I triumph. I walk in Zoe life. I walk in peace. But how do I do that? How do I get my mind set on the things of the spirit, Let me help you. It ain't automatic. It ain't automatic. I'm going to give you four things I've taught you before, but four things that you need to be reminded of always. If you're not willing to do these four things, you will certainly not likely walk with your mind focused on the things of the Spirit. It doesn't happen just because you heard a sermon on a Sunday. Matter of fact, you can sit in church and still walk in the flesh. Because you're not paying attention as the Bible teaches you in the way you should to get your mind focused on the things of the Spirit. And obviously one thing about the things of the Spirit is what kind of priority are the things of God in your life? If the things of God, how many you know God's a Spirit? I said, how many know God's a Spirit? So if the things of God relating to stuff I should do are tied to God and He's a Spirit and I'm not going to make the things of God a priority, guess what your mind's not set on? Things of the Spirit. We're back to kindergarten level. They could understand that. So how do I get my mind and keep my mind? I mean, oh, you got to keep it there. How do I get my mind set on the things of the Spirit? Let's look at a couple verses here to help you out. Psalms 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man. Say blessed. blessed. Well, if you're blessed, wouldn't you be led of God? Yeah. yeah. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, ungodly nor does he stand in the path of sinners. sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of the... Scornful. Verse 2. Notice what his delight is every day. Look what he delights in. What does this guy delight in? He delights in the law of the Lord. Now the word law here actually is the word for precepts or teachings. Precepts or teachings. Would it include what they were given under the Old Testament law? Yes, in their day, but not exclusive just to that. This word is referring to his precepts or teachings. Can we learn something by this Old Testament verse? Oh, yeah. If you delight in his precepts and teachings for you today, guess what? You won't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, you won't stand in the path with the sinner, and you won't sit in the seat of the scornful. And if you don't do that, guess what you're not being? Carnally ruled. Who is the one who follows the counsel of the ungodly? Well, I don't follow the counsel of the ungodly. Are you doing what your flesh wants to do? Some of you had not caught up with me yet. I don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Are you doing what your flesh wants to do, or what God wants you to do? If you're doing what your flesh wants to do, guess what you're doing. You're walking in the counsel of the ungodly, because your flesh is enmity against God. You still with me? Nor do we sit in the pa- uh, excuse. Me, nor do we stand in the path of sinners. We don't do what sinners do. Why? We're led by our spirit. Nor do we sit in the seat of the scornful because our delight, our delight, our delight. What do you delight in? Our delight should be in what? The, the actual teachings and precepts of the Lord. And in that teaching and precept of the Lord, read on, he does what? Meditates day and night. How many of you are doing that? So if you're not doing that, your mind's not set on spiritual things. Your mind's set on carnal things. Well, I don't have time to meditate on that. You're meditating all the time, man. <laughs> your little meditator, your little ponderer, ain't just working when you're in ponder, Texas. It's pondering stuff all the time. Come on, somebody. Verse 3, he shall be the one who delights in the precepts and laws of God, the precepts and teachings, and meditates on them. What's he going to be like? He's going to be like this tree planted by what? Rivers of water. It don't matter if there's a drought in Texas. You got a source that's far below the surface. That does, You don't need external rain. You listening? You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You'll bring forth your fruit in its season. What's the fruit in our season? That's the life of God. That's the Zoe life of God that doesn't just pop up tomorrow. But if I keep walking in the light of the truth and following the Holy Spirit, guess what I'm going to walk into? Victory. Notice, whose leaf shall not what? Shall not wither. What's that mean? Because whatever he does will do what? Prosper. If your leaf doesn't wither, guess what that means? You're going to prosper. You're going to succeed. You're not going to fail. God's going to lead you into success. You're not going to lack. Any good amens on that? Now, only a couple of the things I'm going to give you are found in these verses. And I don't have time to go through all of them because that's not the focus of this series. But let me give you four things in closing today. That will help you to get your mind set on the things of the Spirit. Number one. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one. This is critical. What did he just say the guy's delight was in? The precepts or the laws or the teachings of God. How would we say that today? The Word of God. Number one. You must give God's Word first place in your life. You must. God's Word has to take first place in your life. When you sit in church, guess what my focus is on? What is God saying to me? Yeah. <clears throat> I, You know... I love note takers because I know how much that can help you retain stuff. But at the same time, you don't need to be a stenographer. You don't need to write down the whole message. You're going to miss a lot of stuff trying to do that. What am I writing down? What God is speaking to my heart about. Or something I haven't heard before. Whoa, I need to remember that. Or something I've drifted away from. Wow, I need to be reminded of that. That's what you write down. If you put God's word first place, guess what that means? Every single day, guess what you're going to? Guess what you're going to. But why? Why are you going to the Word? Why are you going to the Word? I'm going to tell you why you're going to the Word. Because it's God speaking to you. So you know why you go to the Word every day? I like fellowshipping with God. I love spending time with my God. How am I going to hear from the very one that I want to follow if I don't ever spend time with him? So God's Word has to do what? This is critical. If you want to get your mind set on the things of the Spirit, anybody want to do that? God's Word has to do what? Take first place in your life <clears throat> over everything else. I thought of this, actually this morning, I thought of this from yesterday. Yesterday what was uh, the first playoff of the Little League World Series. I played Little League. Anybody play Little League ball when you was little? I played Little League ball when I was a kid, and I love watching these kids. You know why? I'll tell you why. They're not playing for sponsorships. Not playing for, they, love playing, they love playing baseball, man. You know, it's kind of like the movie. Everybody ever see the movie The Rookie? <laughs> You know, when he got burned out on the road, was tired, didn't want to play, I'm talking about this senior guy, he's actually at a hotel, and what does he hear? Here's a ball game. It's a little league game. He goes over to the fence, and he sees this kid look at him, and he's, the kid smiles and waves and turns back. Of course, because he's in the outfield, he's getting ready, you know, for the hitter to do whatever happens, you know, and all of a sudden it dawns on him. You know why they're doing it? Because they love playing. They love the game. And the next day he showed up with a whole new inspiration, man. And he told one of the Ricky guys that was on the team, on the actual uh, uh, AAA team with him, he said, guess what we get to do today? We get to play baseball. Guess how many people don't get to play baseball today? But we get to play baseball. You know why you should want to run to God? You should say, guess what I get to do today? I get to fellowship with my God. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to go to church. I get to. I get to go fellowship with him. I get to go to church and hear a word from God today. I get to open my Bible tomorrow and listen to him talk to me again. God's word's got to be first place in your life. Number two, what's the second thing he said to do here? You got to meditate on God's word. God's word. So as God reveals things to you, as God speaks things to you, guess what you need to do? You need to meditate on God's Word. I have an exciting project coming up. God spoke to me about it yesterday. I got so excited, man, I almost had to pull off the road. I was like, Lord, this is a great idea. This is an awesome idea. I'm so grateful that you gave. it's going to cause me to have to put in a lot of work. But what a blessing to be able to know that I'm carrying out an assignment God gave me to help people. So I have to emphasize to you, just like I do to me, when I know of things God speaks to me, reveals to me, guess what I got to do with those things? Meditate on them. Because, you know, meditating, how many of you are going to lunch today? Anybody going to lunch today? That's like three of you. So the will rest you on a fast, I guess. How many are fasting today? Let me see your hands. Well, you didn't raise your hand going to lunch. You're fasting. You didn't raise your hands going. Who's going to lunch? Oh, there we go. Some are paying attention. Who's fasting? Some of you ain't raising your hands at all. You're just looking at me like, I ain't raising my hand for nothing in the world. I ain't going to raise my hand. <laughs> like I'm putting you into bondage to just have you raise your hand. Trying to make a point. Trying to help you out. If you're going to go to lunch today, guess what you don't want to do? Slam that in your mouth and just swallow it without chewing on it. Guess what you want to do? Chew on it. As you chew on it, guess what your body does? It extracts nutrients from it. And it gets it in a position where you can swallow and get more nutrients from it. Guess what meditating on the Word of God's doing? It's getting nutrients from the Word. It's not just slamming it down and swallowing it whole. You're actually taking time to do what? Get more out of it. And the more you meditate on Scripture, guess what will come? More revelation. What are, you, what are you doing while you're meditating on Scripture? For like the 25th time today? You're setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. When you're meditating on the Word, your mind's not set on things of the flesh. The Word, Spirit. When you meditate on the Word, what's your mind set on? Isn't that a whole lot better than all the garbage going on in your life in the context of the natural and all the stuff that's going on around you and that's what you're going to meditate on and think about? That ain't going to bring no life and peace. Why do we not want to meditate on the Word? Number three, which would be clearly understood in these verses as well, not walking in the way of the sinner, the seed of the scornful, all that. Number three, you got to do what? You got to obey the Word. You have to obey the Word. If you're going to keep spiritual things a focus in your life, guess what? God knows more than you And if you don't do the basics of, guess what to obey the word means? Go back to number one. What's number one? God's word's got to be what? First place in my life. Well, what if you're not obeying that? This won't work for you. Number two, what's number two? Got to meditate on the word, right? But number three, I got to obey the word. What if I don't meditate? I don't get the benefit. My mind's not set on the things of the spirit. Isn't this really a heavy revy today? Come on, how much, heavy revelation more, how much more heavy revelation do you need? I have to obey the Word if I'm going to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. <clears throat> right? right? If I don't make God's Word first place, I'm not obeying what the Word tells me to do. If I don't meditate on the Word, I'm not doing what the Bible tells me to do. So am I going to have my mind set on the things of the flesh or the Spirit? The flesh. And then number four. These are four basic things you got to live out every day. Number four. <clears throat> you ready? Listen to, because most don't, sadly. Listen to and obey your conscience. Listen to and obey your conscience. Now, we'll start talking about this more tonight, but you got to start looking to your spirit man. You got to start looking inward. You got to start learning how to focus your attention, your mind that's in your soul, on your spirit man. One of the ways you do that, you listen. I, I say, listen to. And obey your spirit. I almost would rather say it this way listen for and obey your spirit. Listen for Him. Listen for what's, if you're listening for uh, your conscience, what are you listening for? What your spirit's saying to you. Start doing this in little things. Don't wait till you've got to make some big decision to try to figure it out. How about you sit down? Uh, how many are going out for lunch today to a restaurant? Anybody? Mama is. Who else? Rip is. All right, so how about when you go to that restaurant today, instead of just looking over the menu of what your flesh wants. See, you don't like me messing with your food. You always get so quiet when I mess with your food. How many of you know God knows what your body needs? What if? Could be a good thing. What if I looked at that menu and said, okay, I'm going to listen to my spirit. Conscience, yes or no on that? Eh, okay. Yes or no on that? Eh, okay. Yes or no on that? Ding, ding, ding. Okay. That's what I'm getting today. What if you listen to your spirit in little things? Well, I don't think it's that important. Oh, it's very important. It's the little foxes, the Bible says, that spoil the vines. What if you began to get good at hearing your conscience, the voice of your spirit, in the little decisions? then you wouldn't have a hard time hearing him in the big ones.
0: We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.